Thank you for joining the Faith Chapel Podcast. Wherever you may be joining us, we hope you know you are loved and that this message encourages you. Amen. You can be seated. I'm so glad that you're here. Get your notes out of your bulletin if you're prepared to take some notes today. I've been traveling this week, and how many of you know when you travel, you get some stories? Anybody ever travel and come to stories? And so I left Monday morning early, and I was supposed to be at the airport early. I got this notification when I woke up that says, you're delayed an hour. I thought, okay, no big deal. I don't have to be there till evening. That's not a big deal for me. So we got to the airport, and we waited, and we waited, and we waited, and we waited, and the hour passed, and it became two hours. And I'm like, that's no big deal, right? It's no big deal because I don't have a meeting till that evening anyway. And we found out when we finally boarded that they told us, they go, you know, they forgot to bring the plane back down to San Diego. It was sitting in Monterey the entire time, and they had to reroute it to get it here so that, because they just totally forgot. So there's nobody going to be on the plane. You guys just load up, sit wherever you want. And we're like, all right. And as I got on, she goes, sir, I just want you to know for your inconvenience, you've been upgraded to first class. I said, I don't know how that happened, but amen, I'm going to first class. It's only a 15-minute flight. It's not like we had a meal or anything, you know, it wasn't a big deal. We had some incredible meetings there that week, and then I flew in Thursday, and I literally carried my bag out to the curb, threw it in my wife's car, grabbed another bag that I had prepared before I left, got back through security, and got on another plane to go to my pastor's wedding. Many of you know Pastor Charlie Tuttle. My pastor and mentor has been here a few times. And I went to go to his wedding. And um, we got in the plane and we flew to Phoenix and we got on board the troop Phoenix. They said, We're, we can't take off yet because there's hail in Dallas. I go, of course there is. <laughs> it's Dallas. It's fall. They're going to have tornadoes, hail, storms, thunderstorms. Something's going to happen. So we sat on the tarmac for about 50 minutes. Anybody ever done that? And they're trying to help you, you know, they're like, well, here's some water, we're sorry, and here's some, here's some crackers, you know, make you feel better. And then they pull back in and we go back into the, we go back in and we, you know, they said, you can get off. I hadn't eaten all day, so I'm like, I'm gonna get off. So I got off and I got some dinner and I got ready to get back on. They go, sir, you can't get back on the plane. I said, I was on first class the last plane. Why can't I get on? And she was like, no, no, we all board together And when we get back on the plane. So we got back on the plane, we flew in, and so we landed, and it was about 1.30 in the morning, finally, after a full day of travel. Well, I walk down, and I get ready to get my rent-a-car, and, and I'm, I'm a fast pass member, so no big deal. I'm just going to go out and get in my car and get to the hotel and jump in bed. It's going to be great. My name wasn't listed on the board. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That sinking feeling in your stomach when you go, oh, no. And I walked over to, I walked over to my rent-a-car place, and, and there's a nice sign that says, oh, go over to this counter, and they'll give you a car there. As I looked around, there was only one counter that was open. And so all the rent-a-car companies had got together and sent everybody to one counter, I think so they could go home early. It was only 150 people deep. It wasn't that big a deal at 1.30 in the morning. And by the time I got up there, she said, the only thing we have is a truck or a minivan. I'm going to a wedding. I'm not pulling up in a minivan. Sorry. Right? I'm like, I'm, I'm just not doing it. So I said, well, we're in, da we're in Texas. Give me a truck, right? Well, all right. So I'm going to have a truck. I go to the hotel. I finally check in. And it's 3 o'clock in the morning. And we get up, it's an early wedding, it's 10.30 in the morning, we have to travel 45 minutes, we have to be there early, the whole thing. So we get up early, we get to the wedding, it's a great day. So the next day, I'm flying back, and I have to fly back early, I'm teaching school ministry right here. So I got up at 2.30 in the morning to fly here, to be here by 9 o'clock so I could teach all day yesterday by 4.30. It's been an eventful week. But when you travel, you never know what's happening. There's always the unexpected. There's always something that you're not sure of. That's a, whenever you're traveling, things are out of your control, right? You walk up to a little board, and I walked up and it said, gate change. And I said, of course there is. When we were leaving early Saturday to come back home, you know, it said on my boarding pass, it said, you're leaving out of gate A. And I said, perfect. I got on the little tram, and I told the guy, he goes, what gate? 
great. I said, gay day. He goes, our first stop will be C. I said, of course it will. And we got to gate C, we dropped everybody off, and then I got a notification on my phone, and it buzzed, and it said, you're now leaving out of gate C, as we pulled away from gate C. So we went to gate A, we went to gate B, we went to gate D, then we went back to gate C. And I thought, man, I'm going to be late, thank God for pre-check, amen, right? You just never know what to experience. Well, there's one thing that I know about life is that we don't know what tomorrow will hold. It's kind of like traveling. Like we don't know, there's, there's not a notification that we get on our phone. There's not something that we, you know, even though we pre-plan for activity to take place, we just don't know exactly what is before us. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know. In fact, there's one thing that I'm absolutely sure of in this life, is that life is uncertain. I'm, a, I'm absolutely certain that life is uncertain. That all of a sudden life can change in a moment, just like travel. You're changing gates, or you're not leaving today, or you're going to have to get up a little bit earlier than you thought because your, your plane is leaving. You just don't know. And there are different seasons of life that we are in. And so many times that we, we want to be in a different season than the season we're in. Or we look at somebody else's life, and they're in a season where prosperity, they're in a season of God's blessing, they're in a season, a season of God's favor. And we look at that and we're like, I want to be in that season. And we completely miss out on the season that we're in. I rarely teach a series of messages a second time. Like everything I want to be new and fresh, but over the last 12 months, the Lord kept bringing me back to this series that we did several years ago. So I've updated it and added some new things, and I'm excited, because, but I think it's important for us to understand and identify the season that you're in right now. In fact, I believe that God wants you to embrace the grace of the season you're in right now. And we're not very good sometimes at embracing the grace of winter. Like we love springtime when it comes around. And if you're from the Midwest, then you'll understand what I'm talking about. Winter is gray, it is dark, it is cold. In fact, when we woke up on Friday to go to the way, it was 42 degrees, 40 mile an hour winds, and it was raining. And I'm like, man, I cannot wait to get back to San Diego, amen. Like, I'm glad, I love my pastor, let's get the wedding done, I'm going back home. It was cold. And we want it, when we're in one season, it seems like we're always wanting to be in a different season of life. We don't take the time to be planted. We don't take the time to be encouraged. We don't take the time to learn. We don't take the time to embrace the grace of the season we're in and really learn what that's all about. And so that's what this season is about. In fact, seasons, like you know, it happens. Seasons are cyclical, aren't they? There's winter and then comes it's not a trick question, folks. It's really, it's really not. After winter is, I know you're confused because some of you have grown up here your whole life. You're like, I, there's different seasons? What? <laughs> I had no idea. We just thought it was sunny and 75 every day. No, after winter, there's what? And after spring, there's summer. And after summer, there's there's fall. There's a cycle to the seasons that happen. Can I tell you there's a cycle to the seasons that happen in our lives personally? There's a cycle. But, but much, like this, much like this cycle, if we don't learn to embrace the grace, we don't learn to understand the cycle that we're in, it can be much like a merry-go-round. You can be on that merry-go-round and you can go around and round and round and round and round and go absolutely nowhere. And you can have some fun, and there can be some music along the way, and you can even be doing it with people that you enjoy, but you're just going around and around and around and around, and you're going nowhere. Or if you learn to embrace the grace of every season, you learn to grow in the season you're in. You learn, you learn to, to understand what seasons are in your life. It can be much like a screw where it starts at the point of that screw, but as you go round and round and round through the seasons of life, it's actually taking you someplace. And I wonder how many people today that you just get caught up in living your life every day, that you get caught up in the apathy or the routine of life every day, that you're like the merry-go-round where you're just going around and around and around and around, and next thing you know, it's time to retire. And you just like, how 
did I get here 40 years later? What happened in my life in the last 40 years? Have I made a difference? And I know that's a reality for a lot of you because I've had you in my office saying, I'm retired. I've been retired for X, Y, Z number of years, and I don't know if my life has made a difference. How can I make the next part of my life different from the last 40 years of my life? And then there's some of you that are young and you're like, I've got the whole life ahead of me. And so you're just kind of having fun and you're going around and around and around. And you just jump on that merry-go-round. You don't realize that God really wants to do something significant in your life and actually take you someplace. But it's a cycle. You get to choose what that season looks like in your life. This beginning message today is kind of a foundational message for the rest of the series, and our series text is found in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 1. And, and it says this, it says, there is a season, say season. There is a season for everything. Well, you, you mean for everything? Yeah, I mean for everything. Well, do you mean for this too? Yeah, that's what I mean. In fact, I looked this word up in the Hebrew. I, like, I loved it, and I loved to parse. You know, that's my master's degree in biblical literature. So I love to parse words. I love to find its origin. I love to go all the way back. Guess what it means? Guess what that word everything means? You know what it means right here? It means everything. Absolutely everything in life. There is a season for everything and a time for every event under heaven. In fact, the word season that's used here means an appointed occasion. God has an appointed occasion. Now, don't miss this. There is an appointed occasion for everything that happens in your life. There is an occasion that's about to happen in an appointed time, an appointed moment, an appointed occasion. There is a season for every single thing that is happening in your life. Everything. Everything. There is an appointed an occurrence for everything that's going to happen in your life. In fact, one of my favorite verses found in Acts chapter 17, where God chose the exact time and the exact place for you to be born. For my mind to understand that verse and I look into heaven, it's almost like before the foundations of the world were created and God called me by name, I look into that place and I've kind of created this picture in my mind to help me understand that here's Brian Ross on a shelf like a, like a library. And on June 19th, 1965, nine months prior to that, God walked over and he pulled Brian Ross off the shelf and he said, now is the moment for your conception. That God had been waiting thousands of years to pull that name off the shelf because he wanted to choose the exact time and the exact occasion for me to be born. If God is living and planning our lives with that kind of purpose. How many of you know we should be living our lives with that kind of purpose? That you're not here by accident. I don't know how you came to be, but I can assure you that it is not by accident. I can assure you that God has a purpose and a plan for your life, that God chose the exact time, the exact moment, the exact season for you to be born, for you to make a difference in this generation in which you're living, and that's why you're here. In fact, before the foundation of the world were ever created, the Bible says that he created good works for us to do. He shaped your life for the moment that you're to be living, the season that you're to be there. God created these seasons. In Psalm chapter 1, looking at just a few verses to get started, in Psalm verse one, chapter 1, verse 3, it says, We are like a tree planted by streams of water who yields its fruit in, in seasons. We want, we, want to, we want to have this prosperity. We want to have this blessing. We want to have this all the time in our life. But no, it comes in its season. We yield fruit in season. There's a season of fruitfulness, in other words. And there's other seasons where we're not as fruitful. But there are seasons of fruitfulness. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He's made everything. Just turn to your neighbor and say, you're beautiful. Some of you, I just got you a date. Amen. I'm helping you out. How many of you know if you're single in the room? Hallelujah. He looked at you and blatted his eyes. Said, you're beautiful. You got a picture there, right there. He has made everything beautiful in its time, in its appointed occasion. It's the same Hebrew word there. A season. 
In that same season, he has made everything beautiful. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom, listen, no one can fathom what God has done from the beginning to the end. It is impossible for us to have an understanding, a full understanding for what God is doing from the beginning to the end of all of his creation, from the beginning of your life to the end of your life. You cannot fathom everything that God has set in motion, but he has made it beautiful in its season, and they're in the season right now of living your life for the glory and purposes of God. Look at Daniel chapter 2. He changes times and he changes the seasons. Well, you mean I can't just stay in a season of blessing my whole life? Probably not. Well, that's where I like to stay. Well, of course we do. But there's much to be learned in the other seasons. And if we don't learn what it's like to be in that season, spring or summer or fall or winter, when we look on the outside of winter and the leaves are falling down and the snow begins to fall and things become cold and it looks like there's a barren landscape over once what used to be a beautiful hillside, if we don't realize what God is doing in those seasons of our life, we'll never learn the lessons and embrace the grace of that season that will help us to get off the merry-go-round of life and begin to grow. It's seasons. He changes the times and he changes the seasons of our lives. He deposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals the deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and the light dwells within him. Isn't that awesome? One more verse, Galatians chapter six, verses eight. Whoever sows to the To please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction, but whoever sows to the Spirit, or to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at a proper time, or at the proper occasion, or in season, in the right season, we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. How do you lose and get on the merry-go-round of life where you get nothing out of it, you just go round and round and round until you expire? How do you do that? You give up. But if we learn what God is doing in every season of our life, then our life can become full of purpose and meaning. We can believe that God is instructing us and guiding us into the good things that he has created for us. We can learn to unleash the skills, the talents, and the abilities that he's placed within every one of us so that we can make a difference in the kingdom of God. It's not just about serving the church. It's about aligning and coalescing our purposes with the purposes of God to help build his kingdom. It's learning from every season of life. Let me just give you a couple of observations and season observations, I call them. On the screen, number one, we usually want to go on to the next season. I remember living in the Midwest when winter hit, everybody's like, oh, I just cannot wait for spring. It's so cold. And then spring would come and the rains would come and the tornadoes would come and people were like, I can't wait for summer. And then when summer would come, they're like, what would they say? It's too hot. It's too humid. I can't wait for fall. And then fall would come and it would bring the rain and you know the leaves would, oh, all the beauty's leaving us. And, Oh, we just, we just can't wait for the next. We always want the next season in life, it seems like. See, what I want us to do in this series, I want us to stop and enjoy the season we're in. When I was a kid, I, I, I got up before it became light out. And I got the snow shovel out, and I would go and I shoveled the entire sidewalk for the entire block. I just loved to be out in the snow and it was crisp and clean and beautiful and nobody had walked in it yet and nobody had driven down the street yet. and I would get and I would do and somebody came out and they go thank you young man here's some money I went I get paid for this this is awesome and so I started doing it for money I did both sides of the street I would go I am 40 50 dollars I'd go to school I mean I'm buying lunch for everybody in the line it was fun I didn't know I could get paid. See, I was embracing the grace. I was enjoying the winter season. 
first snowfall, I'd always get up and I would go just a few blocks from my house, there'd be woods. And, and I would walk out into the woods when it, the, you know, the clearing cold, they would say, right? Full moon and bring all the light that you would need and everything was glistening with the new snow. And all you would see is the little animal tracks in the snow and you walk through the trees. It was gorgeous. Embracing the grace of that season. Seeing things that I'd never saw in the other seasons. Learning to, to grow in that season, what it was all about. We tend to always want to be in the next season. There were several nuns that came to came to um, St. Teresa of Avila, and they, they were complaining. They said, you know, we, we think it's unfair. We're spending all of our time in the kitchen, and we're spending all, all, so much time there. We're not being able to give our gifts and our talents to other more meaningful things. To which she said this, don't think that if you had a great deal amount of more time, you would spend it in prayer or any other service. She said, get rid of that ridiculous idea. God gives us a moment that in a long, gives, gives more in a moment than a long period of time for his actions are not measured by even time at all. Know that even when you are in the kitchen, our Lord is moving among the pots and the pans. I just say it a different way that there is the supernatural and the natural if we look for it. That God is in everything that, we, that we're going through in our day if we look for it. Meaning he's in the winter months as well as he is the spring, summer, and fall months. But we just have to know what to look for and what God's want, maybe wanting to do in those seasons. Look at number two. Every season has a struggle. It doesn't seem like there's a big struggle in the spring, but there's a struggle. There's a struggle in the summer. There's a struggle in the fall. There's definitely struggles and moments of downtime in the winter. But every season has its own struggle. We used to say it this way. We used to say new level, new devil. Anybody remember that? Every season has its own struggle, its own uniqueness. And you won't be able to go to the next level. You won't be able to really go deeper with God. You won't be able to understand what God is trying to accomplish in your life unless you understand the importance of the struggle. Why are we going through it? Why does James say, count it pure joy, brothers? I'm like, yeah, I want to count it pure joy. Get on reading. When you face trials of many kinds. Wait a minute, I don't want to face trials. Especially of many kinds. You mean there's more than one? Yeah, I want you to consider it pure joy. When you go on to read, why are we considering it pure joy? Because God's developing something in us. And so many of us, when we go through trial, tribulation, we go through the winter seasons of our life, there's a pushback, and some of us even do this. Oh, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. And God's going, no, no, I'm bringing that about in your life. Oh, that can't be God. Because it's not good. It doesn't feel good. It's stretching me. It's hurting me. It's making me uncomfortable. So I rebuke that guy's go, no, that's me. That's me. Embrace the grace of this. And go through this. I'm developing something. I'm maturing you. I'm building something on the inside of you that you don't even see right now. Embrace the grace of this season. You only see the fruit. You don't see the fight. When you look at somebody else's life, you see the fruit, but you don't see the fight. When we were in Kansas City, we were blessed to have an incredible season of harvest there. And it wasn't anything I did. It was just really a move of the Spirit and God. And, but people ask, how did your church go from 280 to 1,400 people? How did you, how did, how did you do that? And we just, we'd love to have what you have. I go, are you sure? Like, oh, of course, I'm sure. I go, you don't know what I've gone through to get to this level. Are you willing to go and pay the price? Are you willing to endure the struggle, everything that we went through to get to this moment? And see, so when we look at somebody else's life, we just think that their life is so much better and we want what they have, but we don't know the struggle that they've gone through to get to what they have or where they've gone. Amen. See, everyone sees their fruit, but they don't see the root. And it's the root that God is building, that stream of living water being placed there and growing and letting those roots become deep and mature and strong so we can weather all of the storms of every season of life. When you were struggling, let me just explain it this way. Remember when you were single and you just thought it would be awesome if you could get married? Anybody? 
well, if I was just married, I'd be out of my mom and dad's home and I'd be with somebody I would love for the rest of my life. And, and it was awesome. And then you got married. I don't know what you're laughing at. I have a great marriage. I don't know what you, must be something going on in your marriage. And then you got married and kids came. Embrace the grace of each season. All right. New struggles happened when kids came along, right? Am I right? It was just a new season. It was a new day. It was a new struggle. There was new things to learn. Number three, we would like to live in somebody else's season. We would like to live in somebody else's season. I call this the grass is always greener concept. Boy, they, I, like, I want what they have. I would love to experience what they're experiencing. I love to be in that moment what they're, you know, what they're having right now. And you're completely content upon where you are until you look at somebody else's. Right? I mean, you remember when you had your first child? Anybody remember? Can you go back? Like, I remember when we walked into, and we were, you know, we had a scheduled appointment. We were going to be induced. And so we knew when we were going to have Joe. And we walked in, and they were getting ready to induce her. And they said, ah, let's don't do this. Let's have a sonogram. They did the sonogram. They're like, oh, he's not going to come out. <laughs> We're going to have to have a cesarean. And so we scheduled it. And our doctor came. And Jennifer was knocked out, which was awesome. So I could be a part of it. It was incredible. And Joe came out and they, they gave me, here's, here's your son. I mean, she's out. So she's, you know. So they gave me. And I was holding him within that first 10 seconds that he came out. And he looked up and he, his eyes. I, 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 they can't see. I know, but. He's looking like right at me. And I couldn't help it. I started weeping at this bundle of joy, this gift that God had just placed within my hands that I'm now responsible for. And and he just kept crying and crying. I said, he's hungry. And the nurses who think they know everything, I know we have several nurses, and you're smarter than the nurses I had in Kansas City, way smarter. Oh, he's not hungry. He just came out of the womb. He isn't connected to the umbilical cord. There's no way he's hungry. I said, he's hungry. This is the cry of hunger. She goes, oh, you're a first-time dad. You know, it's okay. You know, I, He's hungry. So they did all their stuff. They brought, you know, they, after they did everything they were supposed to do, he was still crying. They brought in one of those bottles, and he slammed that. I mean, boom. And then he quit crying, and he didn't burp any of it up. I go, I told you, he was hungry. Dads know things. Take my child, will you? Take my my baby. And that first night that he was in our room and my wife was sleeping off the anesthesia, and I pulled him out of that incubator bed he was in, and I held him, and I'm sleeping and just looking at him. And the Holy Spirit came into our room, and God spoke to me. He said, "Won't you?" Will you give him back to me? I pulled him a little closer and I said, what does that mean? I mean, does he have sickness? Does he have diseases or something going on? What, what does that mean? I, do you trust me? I do trust you, God. Well, then give him to me. It's okay, God. You can have him and you can do whatever you want with his life. Just give me the wisdom to know how to raise him so that all of your purposes and your wills completed in his life. And I just lifted him up to heaven as a sign of saying, God, he's yours. He was perfect. Joe didn't cry the rest of his life. Perfect. It's true. We didn't kid-proof our house. He didn't try to stick his fingers in sockets. We just said, you'll get hurt if you do that. Don't do that. And he went, oh, okay. He just obeyed from day one. I'm not making it up. And everything was incredible. And then we took him to eat the first time in public. And we thought Joe was the most beautiful, perfect child in all the world. 
until we sat next to another family who had three children and every one of their children were saints. Well, Joe wasn't as perfect as we thought. How did this happen? What am I trying to say in a funny way? Comparison kills contentment. You say it again, comparison kills contentment. You were fine with the season you were in until you looked at somebody else's season. You went, well, well, I don't have what they have. Everything was okay until you compared your child with that child, or everything was okay until you compared your house with their house, or your home with you know, their car with their car, or their bank account with your, their bank account with their status and your status. Everything was okay until you started comparing. And I think that's what we naturally do or what the enemy tries to do in our lives. Because when he gets us to compare ourselves in the season we're in with somebody else's season, then all of a sudden we become discontent instead of content with what God has done in our lives. And that brings all kinds of calamity and hardship into our life. You with me? You get it? Number four, every season has strength to seize. Every season. Remember the prodigal son? Man had two sons, and one was named Joe, the other was Braden. And no, I better not do that. <laughs> I have three sons, my three sons. But he had two sons, and one of the oldest son he comes, and the son comes to the father, and he says, "Hey, I want my inheritance early. I want to get out of here. I want to go someplace else. I want to go explore life. I want, I want to, I want to get my inheritance early." And the father, which is completely, completely uncultural that that day, that wouldn't happen. He goes, "Okay, here." And if you even did it in that day, then you were just kind of on your own. Like you're no longer a part. You're kind of as communicated from the family. And so he leaves, and you know the story well. What's the Bible say? He squanders all of his wealth. All of it. And then he decides that, you know what, I'm, I'm tired of eating with the pigs and what the pigs are having. Maybe I'll go home and I'll just be a servant to my father. They're at least eating a good meal every night. And he decides to come home. And when he comes home, what's he find? He finds a father running, which doesn't happen in that culture, down the road, who's gone out there every single day looking for the return of his arms wide open, embraces him, puts a signet ring on there, brings him back into the family, in other words, puts sandals on his feet, puts a robe upon him, and throws a feast in his favor and his honor. Can we just say it a different way? Is that every blessing can become a burden if you get it before it's season. Even a blessing can become a burden if you get it before it's season. Moses was so, so smart in this area where God says, you can go ahead and go, but to this land that I've promised, this is the, you, can, you can go, but God says, I'm, I'm not going to go with you. But I will give you, I'll give you the land. I will give you all these blessings. I'll give you all these things. I'll give you all, your, your life will be blessed. I'll give it, but I'm not going to go with you. And Moses did not allow the things of this world, the distractions of this world, to override his love for God. And he said, God, if you don't go, then I'm not going. He understood that the real prize was God himself. There's no way that he was going to get outside of the way. He didn't want to receive the blessing before it sees it because he knew that really the greatest blessing in his life was being in relationship with God and being able to hear God's voice and having God's favor and God's presence upon him and the nation of Israel that was being birthed. And so he said, I am not going unless you go with me. Because even the greatest blessing can become a burden if you get it before it sees it. And number five, sow in every season to reap a harvest. But don't we sow in the spring and we reap a harvest in the fall? No, no, no. That's how it works agriculturally. That's not how it works in God's kingdom. We have to sow in every season to reap a harvest. From the very beginning, God created this. He created seed, time, and harvest. Say this with me. Seed, time, and harvest. Say it again. Seed, you lay a seed, and then there's... Time, and then there's 
harvest. So you mean if I tithed just a few moments ago, it was the first time I've done it in months, that I don't naturally get a job or a raise tomorrow? Yeah, that's how it works. Because there's seed, time, and there's harvest. There's seed, there's time, and there's harvest. So we have to learn to sow seed in every single season in order to have a constant harvest in our life. And I'm not talking about just blessing. The word blessing in Scripture means the tangible and the intangible blessings of God. It could be good health. I would love, right, to have good health my entire life. Those are part of the blessings of God in our life. Seed, time, and harvest. And if we're going to reap the harvest that God wants us to give, let me just give you these things and we'll finish up. And I know this is just laying a foundation. So are you still with me? Everybody okay? So if we reap, number one, here's what we reap. We need to reap the same, we reap the same kind as we sow, the same seed that we sow. That's what we reap. For God cannot be mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that very same thing will he also reap. That very same thing he will also reap. So if you're sowing to the flesh, guess what you're going to reap? the flesh. If you sow to the spirit, what will you reap? To the spirit. If you sow kindness, what will you get back? Kindness. Will it always be from the person that you show kindness to? No. Right? But if you show kindness, I think you'll receive kindness. Whatsoever a man sows, that very same thing will he also reap. You're going to, if you want to receive a harvest in your life in every season, at every turn of your life, then you're going to have to learn to sow in every season. You're going to have to be faithful in sowing in every season. And I'm not talking about money. Let's just be clear. I'm not trying to get another dollar out of you. I'm talking about learning to embrace the grace of each season. What is God doing in my life, in each season of life, and learning how to sow into that so I can receive a harvest of what God wants me to have in my life in that moment. And we're always, God is always preparing us for the next season. Number, number two, we need to reap in a different season. We will reap in a different season what we sow. We'll reap in a different season what we sow. And I alluded to it just a moment ago, but in the Midwest, we would, you'd see all the farmers go out in spring, and they would till up the soil, put some seed in the ground, and the farmers didn't go out the next day and go, where's the plants? In fact, they didn't go out there the next week and think there would be any plants. They understood that there was a process. Can I tell you that there is a process that God has in your life? It's called sanctification, where he is making you and molding you into the image of his son, Jesus. And sometimes there's great blessing, and sometimes there's great stretching, and sometimes there's hardship, and sometimes there's joy, but there is a season, an appointed occasion for everything that is happening in your life. But some of you don't say amen to all the seasons of your life. That's what we're going to help you do. Number three, if we're going to reap, then we need to understand that we reap more than we sow. You will always reap more than you sow. That's why it's important that you not sow to the flesh, because what is the harvest of that is always greater than what you've sown. Are you with me? Well, I think this is just one small act. Nobody knows. I can get away with it. Nobody's around. Just a little peek here or just a little dab here or just a little something here or just a little bit here. But what happens is, is that the harvest comes in and it's greater than what you just sowed. And it overtakes you. And the Bible says, be sure that your sins will always find you out. That your sin is ever before you. That we need to be careful that what we're sowing to every day of our life, that we're sowing to the spirit of God. We're sowing in the will of God. We're sowing in the purposes of God. We're sowing into the things of God into our life every single day. So that the harvest that comes back that's greater than what we've sown is really what God wants us to have in our life, not because we've sown to the flesh, but because we've sown to the spirit. Amen? We have to be mindful of this. And then number four, we reap much much that we did not sow. Jesus told us this, I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. In other words, you're going to reap what you didn't even sow. We all stand behind on the shoulders of people that have gone before us, our parents, pastors in this church, people have built our businesses, things that have gone on before us. We stand on the shoulders of other people. 
In fact, we're interconnected as the body of Christ, and we need one another. Some, you, you are receiving blessings in your life. In fact, my kids don't even, I sit back sometimes and I go, they have no idea. They have no idea that they're receiving something now because I sowed seeds into that area when they were a young, 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 young boy. They have no idea to even give thanks to me or to God for that. They're reaping a harvest that they did not even sow into. Moms, dads, grandmas, and grandpas, you need to sow seed into your kids' and grandkids' lives because the harvest that comes back is far greater than what you're sowing, and they're going to reap a harvest they did not sow into. You need to leave that kind of heritage for your children and grandchildren. Last, number five, is we need to reap in proportion. We reap in proportion as we have sown. Give, and it will be given. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over to be poured into your lap. For with the same measure you use, everybody say measure. For the same measure you use, it'll be measured back to you. Well, I don't understand. I mean, I go to church, but I just don't see God doing anything. Well, you just, that's the measure you're using, just church attendance. So God shows up when you're in attendance. If you can't say amen, just say ouch. It'll be all right. How many of you know I'm Brian? I'm your pastor. I love you, right? Are we okay? But it's the same measure we use. We are, I mean, I, I threw a few dollars in the plate. I just don't understand. I'm not seeing the overwhelming blessing, Pastor, that you talk about, that Malachi says that the gates of heaven will open up. And I just don't see that in my life. And I sit down with him. I said, let me, let me, let me look up your, your giving record. Oh, please don't, don't, don't do that. Well, you, well, last 12 months you've given $50. In the same measure you've been measuring it out, God's been measuring it back to you. So, of course, you're not seeing that happen in your life. I don't understand, Pastor. I just don't have any friends in my life. Well, the Bible says if you want friends, you have to show yourself to be Friendly. And so, you know, you're walking around going, I don't know, I don't have any friends. Well, who wants to be a friend with that? Right? I mean, there's nobody looking around going, I can want to find the most sourpuss friend that I could find, you know, face in the, in the lobby so I can go make him my friend. I mean, nobody's doing that. So sure, sow some seed of kindness and some friendliness into somebody's life so that you can gain a friendship. Are you with me? See, this... We, we don't understand these laws that are, that are in God's word and how they work in our life. And, and we miss out so much on what God's trying to accomplish in us because we don't understand how to embrace the grace of each season. And we really don't understand the laws of sowing and reaping. You cannot do anything. Let me just finish with this. You can't do anything about last year's harvest, but you can do something about next year's harvest. In this journey that we're about to go on, I, and I hope that you'll make a point to be here every week as we open this up and we explore this. Because the Bible has so much to say about seed time and harvest and time and seasons. And if we would understand how we are every day with our actions and with our attitudes and with our lives and with our, with our talents and with, yes, our, even our treasure, if we would understand how we are sowing seed, and what that harvest is coming into, our life, what we're preparing our lives for, I think we would live a lot differently. You know, I started by telling you about some of my travel woes this week. And, and I was just able to, I don't know, just put a smile on and just, just, it is what it is, right? I kept telling myself that. Well, it just is what it is. It just is what it is. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna put a smile on. Everybody else is negative. I'm just gonna put a smile on, and I'm not gonna say anything negative. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna talk about, you know, yeah, it's, hey, it's great we've been in this line for an hour and a half together. <laughs> I've gotten to know you. We wouldn't have never met if we were just really on our schedules and just going about our way. We just went out and. You know, if my car would have been waiting on me like it, I would have just gone out and got my car and taken off and gotten an extra two hours of sleep. No, I didn't say it that way. <laughs> But I said, didn't it be great to just get to know one of us? I'm so, I'm so grateful. I've just got to know you. Like, I feel like, you know, we've known each other for a long time. And this has been a great conversation. 
And, and I, think, I, think, I think because I was preaching this Sunday and this was on my mind, I'm like, I want to sow the right seeds. And I think that's why when I walked up to every single counter, think about traveling for five straight days. And every single counter I walked up to, they're like, Mr. Ross, thank you so much for your patience. And I'm like, it's okay, not a problem. It's not your fault. You can't control the fact that Dallas has not as good as weather as San Diego. And, <laughs> you know, and she smiles. She says, you're right, I can't control that. But, but there sure are a lot of people upset. And, and because, because you've been so nice, we just want to upgrade you. Oh, well, thank you. You don't have to do that. Walked into the hotel and she, Mr. Ross, you know, we understand you've had a difficult night. It says here that you were scheduled to check in at nine o'clock. It's three in the morning. How about a luxury suite? Well, you don't have to do that. I just need a bed. At this point, I could sleep right over there on that couch. <laughs> and no, no, Mr. Ross, we're so sorry. Thank you so much for being a, a traveler with us and booking with us on a regular basis. We want to just upgrade you. Here's a care package with some water and some cookies and you want some fruit? Oh, go get him a fruit basket. I'm walking to the room going, wow, I'm only here 24 hours. I can't even eat all this stuff. I walked up to the airlines. Mr. Ross, sorry for your inconvenience. As we reboard, would you like to be in first class? Let me think about it. Sure. How many know there's just some things you don't have to pray about, right? Yeah. I just wanted to be, I just wanted because, I, again, I think it was because I'm not always that good. <laughs> You're laughing at all the wrong times here. I'm not always that good. But I think it's because it was on my mind this Sunday that I'm like, you know what? I just don't want to be one of those people. I don't want to sow the wrong seed. And if I could learn to live 365 days like I lived the last five days, I think I would be sowing even greater seed into my life and into my kids and into my family, and I would begin to see God's blessing even in ways that I could never dream or imagine. That's what this series is about, learning to embrace the grace of each season, even the moments that we don't feel like God is more moving in those winter months, even when it seems like he's telling something up on the inside of us in the spring. Even when the harshness of summer and the sun is blazing down and making maybe things hard, or maybe even it's in those prosperous times in the fall, but there's, a, there's something to embrace about every season that God sends us through to help prepare us for what he wants us to do in the future. How many of you believe this is going to be a good series? You ready for it? Huh? Amen? Let me pray. Father, I pray that you give us clarity of heart and of mind and you would prepare us for God what's coming in the weeks to come because Lord, we want to learn and embrace that everything that you're doing in our lives. I don't want one moment of learning, of opportunity, of growth to pass me by because I didn't understand what you were doing in each season of my life. So God, I, I pray over the next several weeks, Lord, as you bring us together, may your presence and may your spirit be in this room. And would you speak through me prophetically, God, in a way that would minister to the people, God, that would help them embrace the grace of the season they're in. We thank you, oh God, for what you're doing. We know that you're a good God, that you're always working in our life. And for that, God, we give you thanks and we give you praise. Even when we do, don't understand, God, we put our hand completely into your hand. We put our life completely into your hand and say, thank you, God. Thank you, for you are so faithful. And Lord, I ask right now, as heads are bowed, eyes are closed. And Lord, before we leave this moment together, your word reminds us in Romans, it says that that just in the right time, in that perfect season, that perfect occasion, that time of destiny, that appointed time that you created, when we were still powerless, Christ died for us. Lord, there are so many people in this world we live in that are powerless. 
but they have not experienced the grace of God in their life, the forgiveness of sin. And so I pray, Father, from from this moment right here, God, as we get ready to close this service, this is the most important thing we'll do. So from the top to the bottom, from the left to the right, God, from the front to the back, from everyone that's in this room, God, everyone that's not in right relationship with you, would you move right now by the power of your Holy Spirit? Would you begin to draw them, Father, I pray. And may they begin to experience the love and the grace of God working in their life. For some of you, there's an anxiousness when I talk about this. There's a pulling in your heart. That's just the Holy Spirit wooing you to himself. Revelation reminds us, behold, I stand at your heart's door and I knock and if anyone will open open that door, he said, I'll come in, I'll make my home there. That's what you're feeling. And so as heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one's moving around as we get ready to leave there today. Most important thing we'll do right here. I want to ask you when I count to three, would you raise your hand? And you acknowledge that you need Jesus in your life. You acknowledge that you're coming back to God. Maybe you're far away from him. Maybe you've stepped away from him. Maybe you don't know where you'd spend eternity. This is what this moment right here is all about. One, two, come on, without hesitation. You ready? Put it up right now. Three, come on. One, two, three. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being honest. Thank you. Thank you for your boldness. I know it takes a lot to raise your hand. I know it takes a lot to say yes to Jesus. I know there's all kinds of questions that are happening right now in your mind. But can I tell you that this is the most important decision that you'll ever make in your life. This moment right here will never be recreated in your life. This moment. So if you're here one last time, anyone else before we pray? Come. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Everyone say this prayer. Let's encourage those that raise their hands. Say to Jesus. I come just as I am, and I thank you for receiving me that way. I confess that I am a sinner, and I'm outside of your grace, but I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin, to come into my life, and to help me to live for you in all I say or do. I make you right now the Savior and the Lord of my life. And I ask it all in Jesus' name. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. If you hadn't already, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast. If you'd like to further connect with us here at Faith Chapel, visit us online at faithchapelst.com or on any social media platform at faithchapelst. We hope to see you real soon.